Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Do keep in mind that we have other resources and information available at our website. If you wish to hear other English audio messages, they are available for free at our website and also as podcasts or iTunes. Just look for us in the Apple iTunes store under the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. People many times confuse the things of God for other things. There are those that think that religion is what saves you. Others think that just trying to be a good person changes your life. Others turn God's holy things into a list of do's and don'ts. But the Bible teaches something different, something that has much more substance and is much more powerful than whatever man can conjure up on their own. The Bible explains to us that everything with the Lord consists on an intimate and genuine relationship that starts with an encounter with the Almighty God through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That a true conversion to the Lordship of Christ is what transforms and makes the miracle of salvation possible. Please stay with us for the next few minutes as we look into what God's Word has to say about this. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O Lord, that you please forgive my sins. Lord God, I trust in your goodness and your mercy and in your grace and the forgiveness that I find through your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray, O Lord, now, Heavenly Father, that you may please, O God, speak to our hearts, to our minds. Help us to understand, O Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord, that your word may be able to transform our thoughts and our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 1 to 23. This is the word of the Lord. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation in Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise our twelve tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, 
shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. When we truly convert to the Lord, there is a definite change in our lives. There should be something that happens that changes the course of our existence. That's why following Christ is not about following a religion. It's not necessarily about a lifestyle or about a list of do's and don'ts. Something drastic should happen in our lives that marks a new beginning, a difference, a before and after. Jesus explained this occurrence in a person's life as being born again, and that is something that is necessary if a person wants to both see and enter the kingdom of God. It's a requirement. John chapter 3, verse 3 to 5 says this, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The concept of being born again is what the Lord explained as a new beginning in a person's life. The idea of being born, if you will, is that it is a start, a beginning. And since that is the case, then the old things, the things that happened before that particular point in time in a person's life need to be left behind. Or else there is no new beginning. There is no fresh start. That is the idea behind repentance and conversion, that a person cannot cling on to the past. You can't continue doing what you used to do before making a decision for Christ. It needs to be a hundred percent repentance and conversion, not 95 or 99 percent. This is one of the things that prevents many people from experiencing this new birth in Christ, the lack of repentance and conversion by still hanging on to certain things in the past, by not wanting to let go of everything, by still clinging on to the things of the flesh, whether it is sin past accomplishments, past experiences, and so on. There is sometimes this sense of pride left in many people when they think that it is not possible that everything they did in the past can be wrong, 
that there must be some sort of good they did, and it cannot be all bad. And it's not necessarily about judging everything in your life in the past as evil. There may have been some sort of good, but there is nothing that we can count on that can justify us before God. That is the concept. Complete repentance and conversion means that you understand and acknowledge all of your sin, all of your past life up to that point, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, and you say to God with your whole heart that you are not holding on to anything, that you are completely surrendering to Him, and that you are turning away from everything that is wrong in your life to follow Him. It's about making a 180 degree turn in your life. Philippians chapter 3 verse 3 to 9 tells us about what Paul thought of his past and what he did with it when he encountered Christ, where it says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised yet they of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And so, if Paul supposedly had things that could be considered as good, even things that were according to the law of God in his life, and he repented from all of that to gain Christ, how much more do you think we should let go of the sin in our lives when coming to Christ? How can we justify our fornications, our adulteries, our lies, our stealing, our idolatry, and anything else that is sin? How can we hang on to these things when Christ presents himself before us to give salvation? And this is what happens with a lot of people. When they are presented the gospel of Jesus Christ, and when it comes to the point of making that decision of repentance and conversion, they think about all of things that they need to let go and how they need to decide to turn away. Let's think about this. Is the ability to continue fornicating or sex before or outside of marriage worth more than your soul? Is it worth more to continue committing adultery than saving your own soul? Are your religious practices going to truly give you eternal life? Are your own opinions and thoughts going to assure you an entrance into heaven and bypass the will of God, what the Almighty of the universe has established through His Son, Jesus Christ? So how is not wanting to let go of certain things in your life going to help in the long run? What will happen when the party is over? Matthew chapter 16 tells us this, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own salvation? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. This is the point that every single human being that has some sort of reasoning must come to grips with. 
What will happen with you when that day comes? Money will not help you. Your physical vanity will be meaningless at that point. All of your sexual adventures will cease at that instance. There will be no more pleasure. There will be no one that can help you. The whole world will be gone away and it will just be you standing before the very throne of God, before the judge of the universe. You won't be able to talk your way out of it. You won't be able to reason with him. There are no more second chances. Your whole life will flash before you. God and all the heavenly witnesses and everything you did while you were in the flesh will be seen. The Bible says that there will be books opened, the books of our lives when we stand before the Lord and each person will give an account and your opinion will not change a thing. So having said that, what should we go by? What should our faith and trust be on? I would advise you to set your faith and trust on what God left for us as his complete counsel to mankind, his word, the Holy Bible. In John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31, it tells us this, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The word of God points to Jesus Christ from beginning to end. From the very beginning, from when man fell into sin, there was a sacrifice made to cover man's nakedness, which would foretell of something that God would do later on through Jesus Christ. The Lord was there at the beginning and he will be there in the end. We are given more than enough in the word of God so we can believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Messiah. Is it a question of faith? Absolutely. Either you choose to believe in Christ or not. But I challenge you to think about this. How many things do you blindly put your faith on that cannot even come close to the person of Jesus Christ? For instance, the whole world is waiting for a vaccine that will help prevent and eradicate the coronavirus. And there are hundreds, possibly even thousands of people working on this at this very instant. And I'm sure that millions will go ahead and have this vaccine shot into the bloodstream with the hope that this will keep them from getting sick and are passing off this dreadful virus to other innocent bystanders. And when that day comes, hopefully soon, we can start having a glimmer of hope of going back to life the way we used to live it before and experience again all of the things we took for granted. And so a lot of faith is being put on this vaccine. Now, Millions of us are ready and waiting for this vaccine. But are we there right now looking at these people that are going through this process of producing this vaccine? Are we part of the inspections? Are we in the various labs throughout the world watching every single thing that is being done? Are we 100% sure that it will work? We all, all this anticipation and are ready at a moment's notice to get vaccinated. But we don't even have a clue of what makes up this vaccine, nor how we will react to it, nor of the process that took place, nor any kind of detail involved with it. Yet when that day comes, we will only see a person, maybe with a syringe or however this thing will be applied, and we will just make a decision. Now, we have all of the faith and confidence in the world in a vaccine that we will know so little of. Yet, how can we not put our faith on someone that paid the ultimate price voluntarily so you and I could have eternal life? 
You have an entire book, the Bible, that has survived the ages within your fingertips. And even now you have free Bible apps you can get on your smartphone that can explain to you who this God is and what He has done for you and how He can change your life forever with the promise of eternal life waiting for you when all of this world goes away. In Christ, you have everything to gain and nothing of value to lose because we just read, what good is it for you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? If you really think about it, how can you not take that step of faith? How can you afford to lose this opportunity? Just think about the uncertainty of this life. Do you know what is going to happen with you over the next few minutes? You think you do, but are you sure? Will your eyes see the end of this day or the beginning of the next? This is reality, ladies and gentlemen. Reality is that anything can happen to anyone, anywhere, no matter who you are and how safe you think you might be. I've known of some people that have died in the safety of their own homes just by slipping in their bathtub. That's the world we live in. So quarantine may help you with coronavirus, but it is only an illusion of complete safety. When we are in Christ, we may lose our physical lives here sooner or later, but our souls, our spirit will be safe in his hands. The Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 8, where it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are the only ones that can separate ourselves from Christ. But if we remain faithful in Christ, he will always be with us no matter what. The marvel in all of this is that physical death could be the most dreadful thing to many people. But to the Christian, to the true follower of Jesus Christ, it is the threshold we must cross so that we can experience the reality of our faith, so we can attain the hope we cling on to as we pass by this world. When we die, it will not be our end but actually quite the contrary. It will be the new beginning that God promises those that have believed in Jesus Christ and have followed Him through the course of their lives. That is the major difference. Many people put their hope on things here in this world, but this world and everything in it will pass someday. But for those of us that put our faith and hope in Christ, we always have something incredibly great to look forward to, something that will never pass, something that will never end. We have immortality, eternity. Revelations 21 paints us a very vivid picture of what that first day in all eternity will be like, where it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Can anything in this world give you this? Is there anything worth clinging on to that compares to the promises of God? If you have any kind of understanding of time and wisdom, you will understand that nothing in this world can give you what God can through Jesus Christ. Some people live until they're 80 or 90, or even a few live up to 100 and a little further. But how can that compare to thousands and thousands of years and eternity? Is it worthwhile living those 80, 90, or even 100 years, however you want, and then face an eternity, something that has not have an end, full of pain and suffering, full of remorse and regret, and completely separated from the only one that can give you peace, joy, and eternal well-being? And the answer should be no, if you understand what is at stake. My dear friend, if you have thought about everything said, I hope you're asking yourself, how do I have this true conversion in Christ? I can tell you based on the word of God that the very first thing you need to do is repent and convert from all of your sins. Don't cling on to anything. Don't try to justify yourself. Leave it all behind. This was the whole purpose of John the Baptist's ministry to make people ready for the coming of the Messiah. This is what is written. He, speaking John, said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Repentance and conversion make you ready. They make straight the way of the Lord into your life so that the Lord can come into your heart. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 tells us this, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. John the Baptist also said this is part of his ministry of repentance and change in Matthew chapter 3 where it says, Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. What that means is that you need to show with heartfelt actions that you have in fact repented and converted from all your sins, that you have made a meaningful decision to turn away from everything that is wrong in your life to gain Christ. And people must see that. It's not just about saying that I believe in Jesus and no one being able to see a change in your life. Look at what Paul's before and after was. When he came to faith in Christ, he immediately stopped what he was doing. There was no more persecuting of Christians in his life anymore. There was no more hanging on to a religion for the salvation of his soul. There was no more justifying the wrong things he used to do. His life changed completely. He never again did the things he used to do before coming to Christ. And he remained like that until the day he died. That is true conversion. That is what God desires for us to do. That is part of God's perfect will for our lives. That is when God can wipe away all of our sin, because there is a complete turning away from that sin. And the second step is that you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. He cannot just be your savior or your best friend or your healer. He needs to be 
the Lord and master of your life, where you effectively hand your life over to him so that he owns you, so that you can belong to him. He needs to be completely empowered in your life, sitting at the center of your heart. Look at what Paul did. He acknowledged him as Lord right away. Paul allowed for the Lord to take charge of his life right away, almost instantly. Jesus needs to take charge in your life. You need to follow his directions, obey his word, seek to do his will. This is one of the main problems with many people today. They say they believe in Jesus and that they want to follow the Lord, but they still want to do life the way they want to. They believe that God is there to support them in their goals, wishes, and desires. They believe that God exists to serve them and not the other way around. And we must truly understand this for our own good. Salvation will never be possible in any person's life unless they let the Lord be the Lord of their lives. If a person does not effectively relinquish all power and dominion in their life to the Lord, then the Lord is not the Lord. And if He is not the Lord in your life, then the requirement for salvation is not fulfilled. Romans chapter 10 verse 8 to 10 says this, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You need to confess the Lord Jesus and believe it in your heart, through and through, 100%. It's a process, but the disposition, the intent of your heart must be to surrender to him fully and completely without reservations. It is necessary for Jesus to be the effective Lord of your life. Then and only then can the miracle happen that the almighty of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth by faith and through the Holy Spirit, does he come to live in your heart, in your life. In Revelation chapter three, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. That is a promise. If you hear his voice right now and you open the door of your heart to him through complete repentance and conversion and making him the Lord of your life, he will come into your life. He will live within you forever and ever. The Lord himself also said this, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And so, if you want to experience this true conversion in Christ, you can. All you need to do is believe in the Word of God. Believe in what He has told you through this very humble servant. I am only a messenger, but everything I have said comes from the Word of God. Paul's life and others like his were left written in the Word of God so we can see that if it happened to them, if their lives were changed and transformed, our lives can be transformed also if we put our complete faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are today spiritually speaking. 
and I can say this literally because this ministry is heard throughout the whole world in different continents and in many different countries within those continents. But the only thing that matters is that God knows you. He knows where you are and He knows whether you have been born again or not yet. And at this very moment, if you have not yet made that decision for Christ and you want for your life to truly change, He is saying to you, come and follow me. He is calling out to you just like He did to so many others throughout the ages, just like He did to me many, many years ago. God loves you and desires deeply to have an intimate and personal relationship with you. He wants to change your life. He wants to make everything new in your life, to give you a new beginning without an end. He wants to give you eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. I urge you to make that decision right now. Don't leave for tomorrow, which should happen right at this very instant. If you want for Jesus to come into your life and fill you with this Holy Spirit, Pray together with me this very simple prayer. Say like this, Lord God, please forgive me for all of my sins. I want to turn away from all of them and convert to you. I believe with all of my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord, my God, and my Savior, that He died for me on the cross, and that He was buried. But you, Father, raised Him from the dead at the third day. I want the Lord Jesus in my heart. I surrender completely. Make me a new person. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now I will pray for you. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord, for the opportunities that you give us, O Lord, to come to follow you. Lord God, I give you thanks for your love. I give you thanks for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. I give you thanks, O Lord, Heavenly Father, for allowing him to take on all of our sins, all of our wrongs, paying the penalty, O Lord God, and Heavenly Father giving us the opportunity to be saved through faith in Him. I pray in the name of Jesus, O Lord, for every person that may have made this decision. Heavenly Father, I pray, O God, that you may fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit, that you may show them, Lord God, conclusively, that you are God, that you are Lord, and that you want to transform their lives, and that you want to make them new, and that you want to make them different, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, show them that it is possible, Lord God, that we, we put our faith and our trust in you, in the name of Jesus, that we can be free from anything, that we can be made new, that we can be transformed, Lord God and be able to lead a life that brings honor and glory to your name and that brings blessing to those that are around us. I pray for your power on their lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you made that decision, it is the best decision you have ever made and I welcome you into the family of God. We would love to hear from you and help you along in your new life in Jesus Christ. We are here to help. Just write to us through our website, 
The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.